We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sean Payton, keep talking that shit. We gonna see him soon. You feel me? Okay. Fuck. Ow. What a week. What a week. Uh... Since our last podcast, the Rams went from coming off a rough loss to the Titans to signing Odell Beckham and everybody saying they're about to win the Super Bowl to getting the shit kicked out of them by the three and five San Francisco 49ers. Uh, Johnny, how, how are you feeling, man? How are you feeling? Short answer, like shit. You know, I feel like usually we're doing the pop pretty late in the week. I mean, I feel like usually I would re-watch the game, and that was not a consideration whatsoever this week. There is no fucking way I was going to re-watch this 49ers game. I will never watch you that tape again. You must be a sadist. You'd have to be a sadist to like that. You know, I feel like I put a lot of a decent amount of prep into doing this podcast every week. I try my best. <laughs> Absolutely fucking not. Uh, well, this is the Butting Edge Podcast. Part of Ramsock Radio. Proud part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Uh, sponsored by TickPick. You know, usually I would do an ad read about how you got to see the Rams <laughs> play in person. And get your tickets on TickPick. But I'm going to say that you guys should go see, like, the Lakers or the Clippers or the Kings or whatever other non-football team you live near before I recommend buying tickets to this fucking shit show. Uh, That's coming from a Sixer fan. (laughs) You know, I'm trying to go to the Sixer game next week, and the entire team has COVID. So, like, I'm waiting to see if Embiid gets cleared to play. So if I go to that game, hell yeah, I'll use TickPick to get my tickets. Um, 
anyways, Rams are heading into the bye week. There's no game to preview. We don't really want to sit and talk about this 49ers game again for 30 minutes. So today we're going to do a position by position, uh, I guess, discussion about how we feel about the positions on the team going into the bye week, what we think can improve, what we're concerned about. You know, you know the drill. I do think we should talk about the game a little bit, and I think we need to start with this, Johnny, because this is butting heads. For all of the special team sins that this team has made this season, and I don't think this is necessarily on the special teams as much as it's on the coach, but that fucking fake field goal they ran... I don't even have words to describe my disappointment of that play. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't even know where to begin on that one. Like the execution, the absolute decision to go after that. I, 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 it's just, it's just awful all around. I, I don't know in what universe that decision, first of all, made sense. And second of all, <laughs> did they even, like, were they kind of just, like, kind of wait and see what happens kind of thing? Because it clearly didn't look like they were ready at all for that play. It just was not a play that, that ended very well, not executed very well. It was kind of like on the fly, it seemed like. It just... It's fourth and eight. You're in field goal range. The other team is destroying you and is about to get the ball um, going into half, or they're going to get the ball after halftime. Like, take the points, obviously. And if you're going to go for it, go for it. You know, like... I, I, we've advocated for fake punts and, and stuff like that because in the past, fake punts have worked for the Rams especially. And, you know, when they line up in fake punts, I even if it doesn't work, I would be more forgiving on it. Fake field goals rarely work. Like, I feel – I'd have to look at the stats, but, like, there's a reason they barely happen because it's such a difficult play to execute on. And for a team like the Rams – John Wolfer's not your holder. It's Johnny Hecker. I mean, we know he could throw the ball a little bit, but a fake field goal is a lot harder to execute than standing back and just launching the ball to, you know, the the the, the wide. Well, I don't I don't even remember what the position is called on special teams. It's, it's very late over here. Uh, you know, the wide out guy, but they call a fake field goal and throw the ball two yards down the field to Kendall Blanton, who predictably gets tackled. Uh, McVeigh after the game did say, in hindsight, it was a pretty silly decision. But I mean, good lord, man, that was in a game full of mistakes from him. That was the biggest mistake. I'm. I mean, it's it's such a puzzling play. Like, I, why don't you just take the points? Like, it it, it seemed like a no brainer to me especially considering that Frisco got the ball in the second half. And and as it is, even if you took the points, the Rams would have been down still by, you know, a considerable margin. And, and yet you drew, 
you know, you put yourself in an even deeper hole. I don't know. I, I mean, actually, I do know. I, I know that this probably wouldn't have mattered a whole lot in the grand scheme of things because the Rams just got their asses handed to them, point, point blank. But at least, you know, give yourself a fighting chance, you know? Yeah, like, like in theory, they kicked the field goal, they get it. Even if what happened, you know, the 49ers punt right away, so it's a two-score game, you get the ball back, you run a just fucking abysmal three and out. Pretty sure they threw a slant to Daryl Henderson on third down. Um, and, and then the 49ers get the ball, drive down the field, but we ultimately we hold them to a field goal. So then you get the ball back, and it's a three-score game with four minutes and 38 seconds left in the third, where if you kicked the field goal, it would have been in two. Now, granted, they opened the second half with three consecutive three and outs. So, no, in the grand scheme of things, it wouldn't matter. But you shouldn't be setting yourself up to expect your offense to go three and out three times in a row. Especially in a game where, you know, in the first half, all things considered, when they didn't turn the ball over, they were not playing poorly in the first half. I don't know what the fuck happened in the second half. But you got to put your position your team in a better position to win than that. It's just like they gave up in the second half. It, you would think that a, because at least in recent years, the Rams have done a great job in, uh, you know, kind of evaluating it happened in the first half and adjusting in the second half. There was no adjusting in this second half. It, it it was a total shit show. It, it's like they were better off just calling the game at halftime. It was that bad. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a good place to pivot to before we get to the positions. Just the the way this team is coached in general. Um, you mentioned there's no pivoting in the second half, and it's a thing where if you really look deeper into it, into Sean McVay's tenure here, the team never adjusts. Uh, he's forty two and zero in games where they're leading at halftime. So he's great with playing with the lead, but that means he's 8-24 and 24 in games where he's not leading at halftime, which is not great. I mean, obviously you're losing, so you have a better chance of losing in the second half. But it's almost like a recurring thing, and especially this season, you know, given the last two weeks especially. Uh, they go into halftime getting their ass kicked. Same with the Cardinals, too, and they, they come out in the second half and don't, no, don't look like a team that's going to win the football game. The only real time, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, the only real memorable game where they were getting their ass kicked going into halftime and they came back was Buffalo last year. It's kind of a recurring thing, and it's it's frustrating, especially with McVay, because like we know he's a great football mind. He's proven time and time again that he's a great coach, but the variance between his teams week to week and this game there was a lot of mental errors from players a lot of uncharacteristic drops but the play calling in this game was bad the big field goal was unbelievable um and defensively I know it's not his unit but there was no adjustments whatsoever to these games and when when you look at the flip side of who we're playing we've lost to the 49ers five straight times now and only one of these three seasons, they actually had a good team. 
you know, they've never they have been bad, but we are were a much better team last year and they swept us and we're a much better team this year and they just kicked our ass up and down the field. It's you know, I mean, do you, like I I don't know, on a scale of 1 to 10, like how much do you trust the Rams coaching staff right now that they're gonna be contributing to wins and not contributing to losses? If if you're as a as an entire unit, I would say that the Rams are still a very solid coaching staff. Um, they're clearly not perfect. I still do trust Sean McVay, uh, although uh, I, I'm gonna choose to uh, look over this game or even against the Titans. But um, I'd be lying to you saying that I am not concerned whatsoever. So on a scale of 1 to 10, I would say I am about a 6 in terms of concern because I don't I don't know like uh Sean McVay you know he has this kind of mantra of you know just saying that uh you know in retrospect or in hindsight well that's that's true, I suppose, with everything. But we need you to have the foresight, you know. This this isn't about you know uh, experimenting and adjusting. You know this this is a team that needs to win now. We're set up to win now. Uh, our you know our front office has made this team to win now. Because later is probably not a great option. And this only really works if, if, we, uh, if we start winning, you know? And uh, now, it's, it's a little early to push the panic button, per se. Because in, in all terms of purposes, you know, the Rams still have a very good record. You know, they only have three losses. And... Uh, you know, two of which came to really great, good teams. 49ers aren't really that great of a team this season. But, um, hey, uh, what can I say? You know, the 49ers have had the Rams number for the past couple seasons. So um, that's no excuse, of course. But it, it's just amazing to me because I feel like the 49ers did – nothing complex you saw what was coming each play especially on the defensive side of the football and yet they did nothing to really stop them and even more puzzling the only time that they really stopped them was you know foolish mistakes on the 49ers part so I, you know, I, I think they'll be fine, but clearly you have teams that are going to figure this out, that the Rams can't defend certain, you know, offensive uh, packages and schemes, and they're going to use it against them, just just like how the Packers adjusted their, um, their offensive scheme last year in the, uh, in the playoffs, so... It's it's a concern. I, I I would put it at a six at the moment. 
it's it's tough too because yes, the Rams are going to be fine, and yes, they're going they're going to win enough games to get in the playoffs. But we don't want them to be fine. This is a team with Super Bowl aspirations, and yeah, you mentioned they're seven and three. They have two losses to two really good teams, and then this is a divisional game. Weird shit does happen, sure. But you look at their wins, they beat the Bucks, who are a great team. Beyond that, they beat three really shitty teams in the Giants, Lions, and Texans. They beat a pretty shitty team in the Bears. They beat okay, okay teams in Seattle and Indianapolis, although if you were watching those games, both of those teams had their starting quarterbacks go down late in the game. I mean, they would have beaten the Seahawks anyways, but the Colts had a really good chance of winning the game, and then Carson Wentz got hurt, and obviously we beat Jacob Eason. Yeah, so it's not like, yeah, they beat the Bucks, but it's not like this team is racking up high-profile wins, and their three losses were not just losses. They were they were manhandlings. You know, like the Titans game was closer. The box score is closer than the game looked, actually was. The Cardinals game, the box score is closer than that game actually was. This game, the box score was probably closer than the game actually was. Um, it's, you know, we're, we're not... This this team, yeah, well, it's like you look at the second half of the year. We're gonna rack up wins over the Jags. We're probably gonna beat the Seahawks again, and maybe the Vikings. But I don't know, man. I'm not ready to sound the alarms yet. But in terms of this team and their aspirations, the last two re- weeks have really pumped the brakes for me on this team going to the Super Bowl, you know, I definitely wouldn't say that they are the favorite in the NFC at all right now after watching the last two games. There are there are other really good teams in this conference. All right, guys, I mean, I would not dare tell you to go pay money to watch the fucking Rams play right now, but there are tons of other sports. Basketball's back, hockey's back, college sports are back, and if you need tickets to get anything, whether it's want to go see the rams again or whether you want to go see the lakers or whoever your local team is kick pick is the best place to get them t-i-c-k-p-i-c-k it is the original no fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need to get your tickets for any sport i mean tick pick got rid of the awful services that other sites cards sites charge and they're going to guarantee you the best prices on all your sports tickets if you don't believe me find out for yourself if you can find a better price than what you see on TickPick. TickPick will re- will give you 110% of the difference in your purchase price. So if you want to get tickets to go see the Rams or go see whoever you want to play, head over to TickPick.com slash RTR and you're going to get our special promo code. It's $10 off with your first pair of Rams tickets using TickPick. That is not nothing. $10 is great. And as we all know, I mean, we're done with, we're done with fees. Even more so than we're... <laughs> done with the team right now but the rams are going to come back they come back strong if you want to get tickets to a game you head over to tick pick t-i-c-k-p-i-c-k avoid those hidden fees and use our code rtr for ten dollars off your first purchase <laughs> i don't know man uh let's let's talk about these positions do you want to start at quarterback and work our way down or start in the other direction and do quarterback last uh let's go quarterback move down so, you know, we're not going to grade John Wolford in the limited garbage time he's played. But Stafford, I mean, I think there are two ultimate things here. We have seen the good of Matthew Stafford. He is a clear upgrade 
from Jared Goff. Even with the bad we've seen, I, I have absolutely no regrets on making that trade. That was the, the trade they should have made. Even if it doesn't work out long term, I still think it was the right call. And clearly, looking at what Goff's done this year, not like he would have been the answer at all. That being said, it, it, he's made a lot of mistakes. A similar amount to Goff made, honestly, looking at those two the last two years. The difference is Stafford misses substantially less throws than Goff missed. But he's still tossing a bunch of interceptions. And I mean, in, in this game, he had two picks. One of them was completely not his fault. The other one was completely his fault. People will point to Odell stopping on that route. Even if he didn't stop, he was in double coverage. It's second down. You're basically punting the football. It's I, I'm satisfied with Stafford for sure. But, you know, back-to-back primetime games where he didn't play great uh this game I honestly think he played better than last week for sure especially given the lack of Robert Woods and guys like you know Odell's just learning the playbook and Ben Skoranek is straight up not good um I give him a little bit more of a pass for this game but we've come on this podcast a couple times this year and I've said that he has to be better and for this team to go deep in the playoffs he definitely has to be better I'm more confident in him being better than I am with some of the other concerns about this team for sure. I I still have complete faith in him, but you're still you're seeing sides of him that you don't love over the last couple games. Yeah, I I, I think that's fair. I, I I think that you'd have to completely be ignoring a lot of things if you think that Stafford is perfect uh, because he's far from it. Um, but I will say that there are a lot of instances, especially in this past game, where I feel like he looked a lot worse than he was. Now, again, not perfect. He uh, he clearly missed a few a uh, few throws, made some pretty poor decisions. Um, you know, as Steve mentioned, one of those interceptions was you know, was clearly not his fault. And it doesn't help with all the drop passes, all the miscommunications with, um, you know, uh, rookie Ben Skoranek, who uh, by all accounts should not be on the football field. Uh, (laughs) We'll we'll get, we'll get to him, but I have to say this because I thought it was very humorous. Um, One of the uh, incomplete passes that, Matthew Stafford taught, uh, tossed to um, Ben Skoranek. It looked at first that it was just a terrible pass to uh, Ben Skoranek. And mind you, it wasn't the best pass out there. But he... I've never seen a wide receiver jump as early at a pass that Ben Skoranek did. Like, it almost felt like Ben Skoranek jumped even before the pass was made. I was, <laughs> I was so confused. I'm like, he already jumped. I'm like, I've never seen that before, ever. Not not in college, maybe in high school, but it, it just it was so weird. I've never ever seen that in my life. 
did you did you catch that, Steve? Because I, I I don't know if I'm the only one that caught that, but I thought it was hilarious. I I don't know the specific player talking about, but he jumped. I feel like he jumped every time the ball got thrown to him. And uh, listen, the man's a seventh round rookie. Like we shouldn't be relying on him to do things, and I don't think we're going to long term. But yeah, it was not not the not the best performance by him. Uh, that this is all true, but I, I just I, I had to throw that out there. But anyway, the point still stands that um, along with Matthew Stafford stepping up, it also has to be the entire offense, primarily at receiver. We we can't have another game where it feels like literally every receiver on the field or everyone with a pair of hands out there played without them like my god I, I was so frustrated because i'm like how do you how are there so many drops did they did they butter the football you know before they tossed it in because yeah, it, was, it wasn't raining yeah, yeah it was I, I was so confused i was like what the hell is going on here it was the and, worst and, game the worst game of tyler higby's career i think even though he oh, scored yeah. a touchdown yeah that's another thing uh but, yeah, enough kind of ragging on the wide receivers there. Back to Matthew Stafford. So while I am concerned about Matthew Stafford because, you know, it, this kind of goes, you know, beyond just last week's game, you know, looking back at the Titans game, he can't, you know, throw pick sixes, you know. Uh, and I'm more along the lines referring to the one – uh, against Tennessee because the one in in uh, Frisco that that wasn't his fault at all it just unfortunately happened but um, you know th- those kinds of mistakes are going to come back and bite you and put you in a deeper hole and then it causes the entire team including the coaching staff having to work overtime trying to figure out how to dig themselves out of this ginormous hole and um, it all it all all basically starts at quarterback making good decisions, not throwing the ball downfield and basically doing a Hail Mary on the first drive. So yeah, I, I am worried that he needs to make better decisions, but I am still confident that this is, this is the guy Uh, certainly light years better than Jared Goff. I mean, if you don't believe me, just look at the winless uh, Detroit Lions. Uh, They, they, they tied last week, but that still doesn't count as a win. You know, bold prediction on the pot. I'm putting it on the record. I think they beat the Browns on the road this week. That is bold. I think you that know, team I, is in fucking shambles. I, you know, I, I guess it wouldn't be the strangest thing ever. But man, you're, you, you don't have a lot of confidence in in your boy John Johnson. It's bold. Uh yeah, John Johnson revenge game. <laughs> All right, maybe I'm wrong. Uh, well, we talked about the receivers a lot, so let's get to the receivers here. It's and, and to wrap it up on Stafford, I, I am a little concerned, but I would still bet my money that if this team falters in the playoffs, I don't think it's going to be because of him. Um, no. But it, it's possible. Um, but looking at the receivers, it's been much reported the day – Odell put pen to paper an hour later Robert Woods tours ACL practice done for the year just fucking brutal uh hope he can recover 
get back to it next year, get back to the player he's been. I have full faith he will. Love the guy. Wish him the best. But with him out of the picture, Tutu Atwell is done for the year. Deshaun Jackson is not on the team. We got Cooper Cup, Van Jefferson, and Ben Skoranek started in this game on Monday. I'm sure you agree. They played Skoranek a lot because him they, – they said a lot. Robert Woods and Odell don't play the same position. Well, Ben Skoranek certainly doesn't play that fucking position either. Um, I, I would imagine they're going to bump Van over to Woods' position and have Odell take over Van's position, who's been more of like a deep threat kind of guy this year. I mean, that that seems like the way it's going to go, right? I'd imagine so. I, I think this is more um, because, okay, let's put it this way. So if Robert Woods doesn't have this freak accident, Odell's probably not playing in this game. And it would make the most sense because clearly there was a lot of miscommunication between uh, Matthew Stafford and Odell. Um, it wasn't just on that interception either. It was a, a few plays where it didn't look like Odell was in the right place. And and that's really not a knock on Odell as it is you basically asking him to learn a complex offense that Sean McVay is running in a weekend. Right. Like, like seriously, it was a weekend. <laughs> He played he played twenty seven percent of the snaps, fifteen total, because they they barely had any snaps in this game, and uh, uh, Van, not Van Skoranek played seventy six percent. That that is not going to continue to happen, especially given no. that they have two weeks to figure it out. No, and and the bye week couldn't come at a better time uh, because of that. And yeah, it, it I I totally stand by that statement that. Had Robert Woods not, you know, gotten into that freak accident where he, you know, got the season-ending injury, the um, the Rams probably in no way start Odell or play Odell even. Um, but since since that happened, they're kind of thin at wide receiver as it is, so they kind of didn't have a whole lot of options. And uh, yeah, moving forward, it, I, I agree that. You know, it'll probably be uh, more Odell in, in the Van Jefferson spot and Van Jefferson in the in the Robert Wood spot for sure. Do you think that, you know, we obviously there's going to be some growing pains with the transition with Odell coming in with Woods coming out. Woods does a ton of little things on this offense. He's a great blocker. He's a, uh, you know, he just does a ton. They, they run the ball with him. Do you think by the end of the regular season – Odell can get adjusted enough to where this receiving group of Cup, Jefferson, and Beckham could at least be pretty pretty close to as productive as the receiving core was prior to Woods' injury. Oof. Um, well, that's kind of a heavy question. So, uh, if we're going to go overall, no. No, I don't. Because one of the more underrated aspects of Robert Woods is his blocking. And uh, I I just don't see Odell or Van Jefferson being able to pick up what uh, Robert Woods, you know, was able to accomplish. And, uh, you know, again, not necessarily a knock on Jefferson or, or um, Odell. 
but uh, it's just it it's really how good of a player and how underrated Robert Woods truly was. Now, mind you, he wasn't have having the you know statistical year that he's had in previous years, um, but that doesn't really take away you know his his presence on the field as a whole. Now, I think that given enough time, you know, again, this bye week kind of gives the Rams a a lot of uh, opportunity to, you know, develop some type of chemistry. I think with time, I do believe that uh, Odell, Van Jefferson, and Cooper Cup can be a formidable uh, threat. And even sprinkling in a little bit of Ben Skoranek here and there, uh, hopefully not too much. But, um, yeah, I, I think that it, if anyone can really get the best out of out of uh, Odell, I think Sean McVay can certainly do that. And um, once they have enough time to go over the playbook together and learn it and be uh, more sufficient with it, I think um, – I think this is going to be a very threatening uh, offense. Um, Just it needs a little time. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I I think they could get back close to where they were at. You know, I... No, I agree. I don't think that they'll get to the level as blockers as Woods was, but I think they could be productive. Um, and, you know, while o- Woods does a lot of the same things that Cup does in theory, I think Beckham adds he, – he adds a lot to this offense. And, and Jefferson has been a good deep threat this year, but o- Odell's – if he's the player that we expect him to be, which, I mean, I would say is – Tell me if it's fair, like 75% of what his best work was on the Giants at this point in his career. A lot of, a lot of people think he's totally washed. I definitely don't, don't think so. He's a playmaker. He's a deep threat. He's a guy who can make big plays happen. And that's the thing, you know, Woods will catch the ball and get you some yak in space. But uh, Beck, Beckham's a playmaker catching the ball. So it's... It's a new dynamic, and I'm ex- I'm excited to see them really roll him out. You know, it would have been interesting to see how they rolled him out with all four guys. I think it would have been like a 50-50-ish split with Van. Um, probably would have overtaken him eventually because I don't think Odell's coming here to be the wide receiver three. but Or, sorry, the wide receiver four, I mean. Um, but 
the Woods injury just adds such a different dynamic to it. And I do believe in the court. You know, we didn't even touch on Cooper Cup, but nothing really needs to be touched on. He's unbelievable. And he's good enough to carry this unit no matter how they adjust to the Woods injury. But I certainly feel a lot fucking better that we have Odell had I would have if this injury happened and we didn't have him. I mean, we probably would have spent the whole podcast talking about how they fucked up not playing Sean Jackson if if Odell wasn't on the team because he's not here anymore and we could have used the depth. But I, I'm cautiously optimistic that they'll, they'll get back to form or at least close to it. Yeah, I, I would be entirely shocked if they um, if if they completely fall apart. I just think they need a little time. Yeah. It's it's going to be some growing pains for sure, but they've got a couple weeks to figure it out. It's going to take a lot for this team to miss the playoffs, and truthfully, I don't think the one seed is in range anyways. Um, running backs, I don't really have a ton of thoughts. Henderson's been great. A lot of people say they're not giving the ball enough. He is 10th in the NFL in rushing attempts. Uh, he's, he's top... I don't know what he is exactly in yards. I can tell you right now. He's ninth in the NFL in yards. You know, he's playing great. Uh, Sony's been fine in the limited role we've had to give him. But I I feel good about this group. I don't really have anything to add. I think there's a lot of positions we need to dissect, and this isn't one of them. Yeah, I, I, I don't have any concerns whatsoever. As long as Daryl Henderson stays healthy, that's probably my biggest concern. And uh, but I mean, you can almost say that about any position, really. Um, but yeah, Daryl Henderson, if healthy, is one of the better running backs in football, which is very comforting to know. And um, kind of the nice thing is there may be a possibility we see Cam Akers this year. Which, hey, if if uh, Cam Akers does come back, that that makes the offense that much more potent. And you know what, man? Uh, Sony Michelle has has been pretty decent this year. Maybe not as good as, you know, having a, a two-back tandem with uh, with Akers and Henderson. But um, you know what? He's, he's done a serviceable job. And uh, you know what more could you want? Yeah, I, like I could have lived without making the Michelle trade, but I wouldn't say that it was a bad trade by any means. It, they wanted Henderson insurance. He He's given them that. He was productive in the game where he really had to play, and he's been a good backup. I it's I don't love trading a fourth-round pick to, to get a backup running back, but I it's fine. It's totally fine, and Henderson's been great. The craziest fucking thing looking at the – NFL rushing stats is a Derrick Henry is still leading the league in yards. B he's still leading the league in attempts by 40 attempts. Uh, he has 95, about 95 more rushing attempts than Daryl Henderson this year. And C Lamar Jackson is seventh in the NFL in rushing yards. All of that shit is like mind blowing to me. It, it really is. Uh, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> a quarterback is seventh in the league in rushing. That that's something you gotta really uh, keep in mind. And I I don't even know if I, I'd have to go back and check. But I I wonder if there were any years where where uh, Michael Vick was was you know in like the top ten in rushing yards. 
No, I don't. I don't think it's even close. He's he's like shattering all of the quarterback rushing records. I think I think yeah. Vic had one year where he ran for a thousand yards, and um, I'm gonna try and look it up on the fly now. But he is. Uh, I I think that Jackson's the only other guy who's ran for a thousand yards in a season. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all because Michael Vick was kind of the innovator at at you know a rushing quarterback or a, a dual threat quarterback. Um, you know there were other quarterbacks previous that could yeah they could run, uh, but they weren't you know becoming that legitimate dual threat where you weren't sure if he was going to run or pass. Uh, pretty much you know with with uh, Lamar. With Lamar, he's pretty much uh, um, you. You pretty much know he's going to run. You know, it, it's just a matter of you know uh, what. How much is he going to run today? Is he going to do it? You know, fifteen, twenty times, or is he going to actually throw the ball? He's, yeah, I can't wait to play him. It's <laughs> fucking unbelievable. Uh, and, and yeah, I'm, and he's, I'm nervous as hell to play him. He was a, he wasn't a great throw uh, passer last year. He obviously was an MVP year, and he's he's gotten back to form this year. Yeah, him and Vic are the only quarterbacks to rush for a thousand yards in a season. Um, and he set the all time quarterback rushing record the year he won MVP. And if he, like, I think he ran for a thousand yards last year too, and he's gonna do it again this year. Uh, he's well on his way. <laughs> well, he's down on the Rams, so there's no need to talk about him. I'm just going to make an exa- – I mean, do you want to talk about tight ends or should we just skip it? I suppose we should mention a little bit about the tight ends. <laughs> Higby's been good. He was horrible this week. He's been good. Um, without Johnny Munt, they just completely stopped playing uh, 12 personnel. Bryson Hopkins probably going to get cut next year. Jacob Harris is apparently not a tight end anymore. Uh, he's also, I think he's done for the year too, which is unfortunate. And Kendall Blanton is apparently our second tight end. So it's uh, chaos behind Tyler Higby. Yeah, it, 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 it's such an interesting turn of events, this position. And I, I mean, obviously Tyler Higby, nothing's changed. He's the number one guy, and for the most part, been solid except for last week. But, um, yeah, seeing the fact that Bryson Hopkins was a, has, is a total bust and is probably going to be cut. Uh, who, who knows? Maybe he'll be cut even before the season ends. But, um, yeah, he's totally been, you know, he's just there, you know. Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> if it wasn't for the fact that, you know, Johnny Munt is out, that I'm pretty sure the Rams would have just cut him at this point because he, he, he's just the, he's the body. That's, that's really all he's been. And, and uh, yeah, Jacob Harris not being a tight end was weird. They but. were adamant that he's not a tight end. I mean, correct, like, in the preseason, he, I, I like... The labels don't really matter, but he was playing tight end, right? Yes, he was. Yeah, so he, I don't know what the, like what made them just give up so quickly into an obvious project 
that they were like, yeah, he's not a tight end anymore. There's probably two reasons. Number one, he, he's probably hopeless when it comes to uh, blocking as a tight end. Uh, number two, uh, the Rams clearly needed help at wide receiver before they got Odell. And, uh, yeah, uh, apparently that turned into a curse. Because the moment that Sean McVay labeled him a wide receiver, he got injured for the year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that whole thing was three crazy. wide receivers, by the way, uh, if you count Harris. <laughs> that's three wide receivers that are out for the year. Actually, yeah, I would consider brutal. Harris more of a wide receiver than Tutu Atwell, just saying. So, the yeah, the six guys that were on the preseason like list of players seven I guess if you count Skoranek four of them are not are unavailable uh, three of them done for the year and Deshaun Jackson got cut that's insane insane <laughs> insane but that was a position we prioritized this offseason so great <laughs> back to the drawing board great uh, offensive line, I this unit has been a little up and down, but I would say for the most part has been solid and reliable. I don't know what I can try and pull up what we're ranked in terms of sacks allowed right now, but I would guess we're pretty low. Um, I don't really like, I feel like they haven't been getting sacked that much. Um, 15 times they've been sacked this year, which is the fifth lowest in the league. So, yeah, they've been solid in pass protection. I think they've been pretty, I, I would say, good in run blocking for the most part. The decision to roll with Brian Allen at, at center, you know, while I'll still bang the drum that they should have taken Creed Humphrey, even if he wasn't going to start this year, Al, Allen's been fine. Dare I say pretty good. He's had some lapses, as has... Edwards, as has everybody on this line, they've all made mistakes, but they've been fine, and they should be, like, this unit is good enough for the offense to succeed, and I think the lapses have been less on them overall and more on the play calling and some of the mistakes and mental errors that the skill players and the quarterback have been making. He was right there. <laughs> okay. Okay. It, it's just it's just a must whenever I hear Creed Humphrey uh, at this point. But um, yeah, I mean the offensive line as a whole has been really solid. Uh, really, not a ton of complaints. You know, there have been uh, a few instances where Austin Corbett and David Edwards haven't been as good as they usually are. But um, and I think this was mostly against the Titans. But, um, you know, I, other than that, you know, I feel like even against the 49ers, they were, you know, decent. They weren't, uh, you know, horrendous like they were against the Titans. Um, and I feel like that's really the only game I can really sit back and think that, uh, you know, they were just a terrible offensive line. Uh, the rest yeah. of them, they were either really good or they were, you know, pretty good. Yeah, they're but, uh, very low on the list of reasons we lost this week. Oh, yeah, very much so. And and even, um, 
And, and I'll give credit to Brian Allen because even though I, even though I say that I would really rather have like Creed Humphrey or something like that, um, and you know, that's even not even a knock necessarily on on uh, Brian Allen because Creed Humphrey has already proven that he's a a very capable starter, and that's coming from a, a rookie standpoint. So that's that's interesting. But um, Brian Allen has been has been really solid, and even last week, um, you know, he he was kind of battling an injury. Um, I thought he did okay, you know. For sure, he's he's been solid. He's uh, six on Pro Football Focus uh, in terms of overall grades for centers. Creed <laughs> Humphrey's first by a lot. Um, but, he's right yeah, there. He's right there. And, you know, he, even like, yes, Allen's been good, but he's a free agent this year. So is Austin Corbett. I would, you know, it's possible they bring both guys back. I'm not sure if they're going to be able to. Uh, so you'd have the depth rather than having more depth at a receiver position where, besides Odell, the top three guys are locked into contracts for a couple of years. Um, we, we've we been going for a while. we got to get to the defense. Uh, because we've been going for a while, I think we should start in reverse order kind of here because I think the position that we have the most to discuss is cornerback. And so I think oh, we should yeah. start there. Um, I, it's a weird position. Joe Ramsey has been unfucking believable. Uh, he is probably the best cornerback in football. He is one of the best players in football. And yet the secondary sucks ass. It doesn't yep. add up. It just doesn't add up, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to kind of piece together why. Uh, the Rams put a lot of faith in their draft pick and David Long. And, uh, you know, we've kind of harped on this all season long, so long story short. Uh, didn't get an opportunity this year. He finally does. And, uh, well, he's been ass. Like, seriously, he, he's been awful. And, yeah, I, I mean, they, there's a reason why, you know, uh, a guy like Dante Deon, who... Uh, to his credit, has really stepped up when he when he has to. Um, but you know, this was a guy that you know we weren't sure if he was going to even make the active roster. He's been a camp and, body for what feels like a decade. Yeah, and uh, he actually gets benched in favor of Dante Deon. <laughs> yeah, he's. Dante Dan is the best player in the secondary, I think, like, by, like besides um, Ramsey, obviously, and, and Williams. Like, he's been much better than Rochelle and Long, and it's not like he's been phenomenal. He's been fine. Um, you know, hopefully the, the defense played better when he's back there. Uh, I think he he was a surprise and active for this game. By all accounts, it seems like he was banged up and couldn't go. So I think coming out of the bye, he's going to be the third cornerback. I'd be honestly be stunned if he's not. But out of all the the Rams, it, it, they lost six starters this offseason. They lost Troy Hill, 
uh, John Johnson, Michael Brockers, Ibu Cam is technically a starter. They lost Austin Blythe and they lost Josh Reynolds. For whatever reason, the only one of these players they decided to actually go out and replace was Josh fucking Reynolds, and they replaced him twice. <laughs> a lot of these positions, there were guys lined up. You know, Taylor Rapp, obviously for John Johnson, we couldn't afford him. With Austin Blythe, who was basically free, you bump up Ryan Allen, it worked out. Ibu Cam didn't need to be replaced. Michael Brockers, you, you had Sean Robinson, you had Sebastian Joseph Day, and you had Greg Gaines in the wings, and those guys have been solid. But the one, really, Troy Hill is miraculously, I think, easily the loss that's the most felt out of these guys. You feel John Johnson is really fucking good, but I actually think Taylor Rapp has been, like, for all the shit that the secondary ate in last week's game, I actually thought Taylor Rapp played pretty well. But, like, Troy Hill, man, we let him go. We paid Deshaun Jackson the same amount of money that Troy Hill got paid by the Browns. I don't know if Hill would have come back. He said his decision came down to the Browns or the Rams. So maybe he just straight up chose them over us. Maybe we were offering the same amount of money. I don't know. But regardless, we lose him. We get Jackson. He's the same amount of money. We cut that dude midway through the year. We don't replace Troy Hill. We put all our eggs in the David Long basket, a guy who all of us liked out of the draft, but for two years now, he hasn't been able to earn playing time on a secondary that hasn't been that deep. You put all your eggs in that basket. You expect this guy to wake up and be a great cornerback, and he sucks. And as a result, they have to go to Robert Rochelle, who is a fourth-round pick out of a small school and has played like a fourth-round pick out of a small school, you know, if you have to choose between two, those two guys, I would rather play Rochelle because I think eventually something might be there. I don't believe that for David Long. And ultimately, Dante Deon, who has A, I don't know if we're pronouncing his name right at all, but B, um, has been floating around the practice squad for like four years, ultimately comes in and just wins the job to replace Troy Hill. And, you know, we'll see if his success can be sustained, I certainly hope it can, but um, he's certainly going to be a shaky player. And it's an, a Darius Williams. I, we don't even really have to harp on him, but he's been way worse this year than last year, but definitely not, not the root of this secondary's problems. It's tough, man. Out of all the positions on the team, I have the least faith that this one will be able to get their shit together before the playoffs. And that's saying something because the second best player on the team is a part of this unit. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's amazing actually, because I think we all kind of anticipated that, uh, the third wide or the third, uh, corner spot was going to be tough to find a replacement for because, Troy they Hill, didn't replace him. Yeah, they they really didn't. Um, and, you know, to ask Robert Rochelle to, you know, replace Troy Hill is not fair. Uh, David Long, again, was, hasn't really earned anything. And then on top of that, you know, now you're bringing in Dayone, which hopefully we're pronouncing his name right. But um, <laughs> it wouldn't be the first time we didn't. So, man. <laughs> We love him though. I I fucking love Dante, dude. He's oh hell yeah. He's filling in the Marcus Peters void for me. I mean, he's a scrappy dude, and you know he 
if if there's anybody that's going to give you, you know, 110% out there on the field, it's going to be him, you know? So uh, definitely, uh, definitely no knock on him there. Uh, but I, I, I am nervous about the corner position because, uh, you know, as we know, you know, Jalen Ramsey's going to do his thing. And while Darius Williams hasn't been the same Darius Williams as last year, he'll be sufficient, I guess. Uh, as far as anything else is concerned, that's where it gets a little nerve wracking. But for the love of God, if when we play the 49ers again, and, and if it actually matters, can we put Jalen Ramsey on Debo Samuel? Dude, like and, and and keep them there. If, you know, if when we come out of the bye week, I want to see Jalen Ramsey guarding Devontae Adams on every single fucking play, man. I do not want to see Robert Rochelle guarding him. I don't want to see <laughs> Darius Williams guarding him. I don't want to see David fucking Long guarding him. I just want Jalen Ramsey, the best cornerback in the NFL, to be guarding Devontae Adams, who is really. The, there are decent players in the receiving core, but if we lose that game, that's the guy that should be beating us. If we put Jalen Ramsey on Devontae Adams and get carved up by Randall Cobb and uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, it is what it is, man. At least we know we made the right decision to not let Devontae Adams tear up Robert Rochelle for four quarters. <laughs> The the fact that that might be a possibility terrifies me. <laughs> it it really does because I didn't think there was. I I, I mean I know that they're moving Jalen Ramsey all over the field, and, and and that's good because it has helped in certain regards. But clearly, it was not working last week. You know, Debo Samuel really made the Rams look like trash, and. You know, that's not to say that Debo Samuel um, is is not a great player because obviously uh, he's the second best wide receiver in football. Um, but well, the, the well, fact is statistically, but yeah, he's yes. a great fucking player. He's a great fucking he's, player. Yes, but uh, the the thing is, you're not helping the matter when you're sticking Robert Rochelle on him. You know, uh, the man's a fourth-round rookie. <laughs> they In that game, too, like, he carded everyone he got him. There's a play where George Kittle beat Leonard Floyd in coverage because no shit. He's a fucking <laughs> edge rusher. <laughs> like, uh, and, and I think, too, like, with Raheem Morris, who's been dragged a lot this year, a lot of it fairly, but I do think that personnel-wise, they didn't put the team – they didn't put him in as much of a position to succeed as like Brandon Saley was. They, they, when you play like Tampa Bay and they're rolling out Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, and they didn't play Antonio Brown, we played them here, but theoretically, like if you want to have Ramsey float on all those guys, like yeah, they, they, you don't need to throw him on one guy when there's three legitimate threats in that team, but they don't really adjust his role for a game like this where, yeah, he clearly should have been shadowing Devo Samuel. And when we play the Packers, he should clearly be shadowing Devonta Adams. Um, it, it's just tough. They, they're they not really like a game planning for the teams they're playing. They clearly 
I don't know. Maybe they did game plan specifically for the 49ers they did this week, but I honestly hope they didn't um, because that would make me feel a lot better that they just kept doing the same shit instead of coming up with what would have been the worst game plan I've ever seen. Yeah, I, I sincerely hope this wasn't planned because if it wasn't or if, uh, if it was, uh, they really need to go back to the drawing board because that wasn't it. No, not at all. Um, how do you feel the safeties have been this year? Obviously, we lost John Johnson. Taylor Rapp steps in. He's been up and down, but I think the last couple weeks he's played a lot better. He started the year a little rough. Jordan Fuller, kind of the opposite. He was fucking awful in this game. And, uh, un- like, he's missing a lot of tackles, which I feel like is bizarre. I, I have faith enough in this safeties like like i've said for a lot of the positions i think they're good enough they were better with john johnson but we prioritize leonard floyd instead of him and floyd's been great so it's not necessarily the wrong decision but um i i think this group has been okay and i think they're definitely good enough but very up and down for both of them yeah i i I tend to agree I, i would say that the safeties uh went from a strong point last year to a um a very average point now uh you know there are times where they they look pretty you know pretty good uh and then there are times where they just look awful and uh you know thankfully i don't recall a game anyway where i'd say both players look terrible at the same time but um still you'd like it to be a little more consistent where they at least play decent at the same time. And I feel like more often than not, there was, there's always been, uh, you know, at least one of them struggling. And, uh, that's, that's disappointing. You know, Taylor Rapp, we weren't really sure how well he was going to adjust. Um, times he looked bad, but there are other times he looked pretty good. Jordan Fuller, I feel like they put a lot of uh, a lot of responsibility on him. Where you know, even going as far as to name him a team leader, which you know, again, he did a hell of a job last year. But I felt like he also had the benefit of playing alongside John Johnson, and this year, I, I think that they put a little bit too much responsibility on the guy. He's only a second year guy. And, uh, it, it, it's, it's a little alarming to see how bad he's been in certain games, but I think he's still good enough to where, you know, the Rams should be fine with having both rap and, and, uh, fuller, you know, being your starting safeties. Yeah. And I, I have faith in fuller for sure. The, He's been good more often than he's been bad this year. Um, and I think by considerable margin. But just like the missed tackles in this last game, I feel like he missed a lot. And um, yeah, I, I think he's getting a lot of pressure, but I don't mind it because who else would have gotten these roles? You know, they don't have inside linebackers to do it, and they're not going to let Taylor Rapp do it. Uh, they're not going to put it on a cornerback. So I don't know. Um Nick Scott sucks. <laughs> Ouch. I'm sorry, man. I hope he's not listening. 
Um, and I hope he improves. If you look at the Pro Football Focus ratings for safeties this year, he's 89 out of 92. Yeah, that about says it all, doesn't it? Yeah. But uh, you, the, at the same token, who do you put there to help out? Do you attempt to put in Terrell Burgess, who... I don't know. Has, uh, <laughs> no, he, I don't know. he hasn't impressed at all, so... Yeah. Yeah, I... I couldn't tell you. Uh, I feel like Nick Scott's been, like, a okay tackler. But the bad in coverage. He's also being overtasked, I think. Um, we're going pretty long on this pod, so we got two more, two more positions to get through. Inside linebackers. Obviously, you lose your best inside linebacker in the middle of the year when Kenny Young. Kind, kind of for no reason, but it led to the the Von Miller deal, I guess, in a way. Um, ultimately we end up using the cap space. We freed up from him a little bit to bring in Odell. So it's not the end of the world. Um, with the guys we have in the building, we have Troy reader. Who's been the primary guy. Ernest Jones uh, has been there and Trayvon Howard doesn't really play, but it's reader and Jones are the two primary linebackers right now. I really hope that they lean into Ernest Jones being the, main inside linebacker on this unit I think he's shown plenty of promise he got cooked a little bit in uh in this game guarding George Kittle but the gonna everyone on the team was also getting cooked by George Kittle but I I think he's shown enough promise to just earn playing time and I think Troy Reader has shown enough of the opposite to that we should just make Ernest Jones our primary linebacker when there's only one of them on the field but obviously when there's two of them you're gonna have reader because there's nobody else you can play yeah i mean not a whole lot to be said here uh troy reader is it should be the the second guy at this point uh ernest jones i i realize he's a rookie and he's probably gonna struggle at some point but i feel a lot more confident in ernest jones than i do Troy Reader because basically all all Troy Reader is someone you can rely on is tackling and even then he's kind of struggled from time to time at, at least with Ernest Jones while he may not be the best covered uh, cover uh, inside linebacker I would feel a lot more confident in him than uh, than Troy Reader trying to cover you know, tight end like George Kittle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let let Jones take his, take his lumps because I I do think there's something there. I'm not saying he's going to be a Pro Bowler, but I think he could be a starting inside linebacker on the team for a couple of years. And the promise he's shown in coverage, specifically, even though yeah he's gotten burned a couple of times, but it, you know the prospect version of Ernest Jones seemed like he he couldn't cover me, and he's made some good plays in pass coverage this year. This year. Um, Pro Football Focus has got his pass coverage grade as I lost my spot. He's graded out as 61, um, and considering he only has a 47 overall grade, that's pretty good. Troy Reader's got a 48 in pass coverage. Um, Kenny Young's got a 53. So if 
you trust this metric, which I mean, it's not perfect. He's the best, been the best coverage linebacker this year, which again is n- not saying much. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I hope they play him. I hope they continue to play him because there's hope there at least. And if you're a longtime listener of this show, I've rarely said that about this position since Corey Littleton left. Um, edge rushers, we get Bob Miller in. I think he played pretty well in his debut. Um, played like 60, 65% of the snaps, I think. He's clearly taking over as the guy, the starter there alongside Leonard Floyd. And then behind them, we have Terrell Lewis and Alba Okoronkwo. Um, Justin Hollins is injured. If he comes back, though, McVay has even mentioned that he might play some inside linebacker because they have a lot less of a need here at this position with Bob Miller in the group. I feel really good about this unit. And if this defense is going to, you know, get back to form and really become a force, it's going to be because these guys are lethal, along with the interior defensive lineman with Aaron Donald, obviously. Uh, this pass rush needs to be giving teams fits. You know, if they're not, if, if this doesn't become one of, if not the best pass rush in the league, and it's not to say it's, you know, it is probably, but they need to be fucking elite every week to justify the capital that they gave up for eight, potentially eight to 11 games of Von Miller. Uh, hopefully he's here for a long time, but. They've been good, and I I just need to see them giving teams fits. Like, Jimmy Garoppolo shouldn't be having the game he had against these guys. Uh, And I I have full faith that they will be very good in the coming weeks. Yeah, I I, I think having uh, Vaughn Miller there is going to certainly make make the defense as a whole better. Um, I, I think... Part of uh, part of what's going to make the defense so successful is just having this many, you know, elite pass rushers there available, and uh, I think it becomes even better because having Justin Hollins there at inside linebacker, I think, will be a godsend. Honestly, because uh, I know he hasn't been playing inside linebacker recently, but um, I-, I feel at this point, you know. While Ernest Jones, we we are pretty high on him for the most part. I I think Justin Hollins would make a, a very good addition there, um, and hopefully speedy recovery to him because uh, we we can definitely get there. And you know Obo, uh, you know Obo and uh, and Terrell Lewis, you know stepped up from time to time, and you know that not not much more that needs to be said because. Uh, I would say they're probably the deepest position um, uh, on defense, I would say. Yeah, yeah. though Lewis and uh, Obo have been really solid, and I think we would have felt okay. I, I mean, pretty. we probably would have felt pretty good about this group if they didn't make the Von Miller trade, but obviously they make that trade, and now the expectations skyrocket for this group. Um, they've been solid. With uh, the interior defensive linemen, lose Sebastian Joseph Day for the year, which is brutal. Um, 
Greg Gaines played 96% of the snaps this week, which just doesn't feel like a real stat. <laughs> um, but the, the I mean, Aaron Donald is still Aaron Donald. Nothing really you could add. He's still one of the best players in the world. Um, Ashawn Robinson and Greg Gaines, man, I feel, I feel like they've been pretty good. Um, and talk about pleasant surprises. Copeland had a decent game this week. Um, this this unit they they've overcome the loss of Michael Brockers and then some. And even without Sebastian Joseph Day, I, I think they're going to be fine. Yeah, I mean, losing Joseph Day was was devastating because you know he was having a hell of a year. Certainly, uh, the best year I would say of his career. And, and you know, he's a guy that has really. Um, surprised people ever since he, you know, came to the Rams. And, uh, you know, having him go down now just hurt quite a bit. But, you know, despite all of that, you know, Greg Gaines was someone that we were pretty high on when we drafted him. And it's kind of nice to see him, you know, step up when he needs to. Uh, Ashawn Robinson has has certainly filled the void pretty nicely. Um and of course, you know Aaron Donald doing what he has to do. Uh, so yeah, this this unit has been pretty solid. So um, no complaints from me here. Although I don't know if we can really uh, we can really um, suffer any more injuries because I think beyond this it gets a little complicated. Well, I mean, dude, Marcus Copeland was the third highest graded defender uh, by Pro Football Focus in last week's game. So, no. That's not saying a lot. <laughs> you got 84. Don't, don't get me score. wrong. He, he did well. But, uh, but yeah, last week was, was uh, embarrassing all around. The, I, I'm just going to say that. Like, the bottom scores are comically low. Like, Robert Rochelle got a 28. Ernest Jones got a 29. Terrell Lewis got a 31 and Leonard Floyd got a 36. Like that's fucking abysmal. Um, I mean, banging on my table here. I don't want anyone else to get injured, but as long as it's not Aaron Donald, I think they'll be all right. They'll certainly suffer from it. But I mean, yeah, you suffer that anymore. I don't think we need to, we're not going to do punt returner on this podcast. Although I will say, the, the best punt returns of the year have all come from J.J. Koski. So I'm glad we finally right. fucking figured that out in a sense. Uh, he seems like he'll be fine. I think they picked the wrong punter. Yeah. Hecker was I, 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 fucking awful in last night's game, dude. Every punt went like 35 yards. Yeah, I, I'm starting to think so, too. It, it has... I hate to say I it. mean... To be fair, to be fair, uh, I would say that he this was probably the worst game uh, of of the season. And uh, before this game, I felt like for the most part he's done okay. Certainly not the Johnny Hecker that we've come to know and love, but um, yeah, I I will say that uh i feel like um just everyone played like shit and i'm hoping that he uh he returns to form yeah i mean i'm i'm probably being a bit reactionary here um but 
you know, average yards per punt, which doesn't tell the full story. I mean, he's uh, the worst of his career, 43 yards per punt. But, uh, yeah, I mean, no matter what happens, I, I fucking love the guy. All right, I'm not I'm not upset that they chose him, even if it was the wrong the wrong choice. It was. <laughs> not 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 to be mean, but it was. Oh man, I mean, did we hit everything? Matt Gay has been great. No complaints. What about Long Snapper? I don't know the guy's <laughs> name anymore. Um, I don't either. But he's been good. <laughs> I don't. I mean, I, it, it took years for me to learn Jake McQuaid's name, so. I, I, I actually remember Jake McQuaid's name because it kind of reminded me of uh, 21 Jump Street. Mm. And he was here for like a decade. Uh, that too. I'm, I'm going to look up the guy's name because he, he deserves respect. Oh, Ma- Matthew Orzet. Morrison? O-R-Z-E-C-H. I've seen his name before, at least. I recognized it. Um, okay, well, this has been very long, and there's not even a game next week, so if you don't have any parting thoughts... Uh, play better. Enjoy the week off. Remember, the Rams are still 7-3. and three. We're shitting on the team a lot, but um, the good news is they'll be in the playoffs, so... When you're there, anything can happen. Uh, follow us on Twitter at C Ribeiro, at Johnny Five Nine Six, at Talk Rams, and uh, we will talk to you guys next week. Tell Sean Payton keep talking that we gonna see him soon. You feel me? Headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com